Dr. Rogers has a word for us this morning. Would you please welcome to the platform, Dr. John Rogers. Thank you, Brother Maston. <clears throat> it's an honor for me to be here this morning, and um, I've been looking for it. Um, I, uh, I did hire, hire him. I remember he had a different color of hair then and a little bit, <laughs> but uh, he's aged well, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. And uh, I'm thrilled that my, my son and family are here. Uh, Monica, his lovely wife, is a cancer survivor. And I praise God for that because she had a, a tough journey with uh, radiation. I had the honor of doing her mother's funeral. Uh, lovely Christian who died uh, with cancer. And so uh, what I want to share from you is not all about me, but out of the word of God, I want to share with you this morning how you can have joy in the valleys of life because he always provides the strength we need to endure wherever, wherever we are uh, on our Christian journey. And my prayer is that if you don't have a personal relationship here with Jesus, I don't know how you deal with the trials of life without a Savior who cares for you and who gave himself for you. I'm going to be in the book of Philippians most of the time. Uh, I did have a pretty serious cancer in 2009. Uh, I was stage three. It was all four places of my body, and uh, there's a disclaimer I always like to present it before I do the message, and then there's no way that I'm going to attempt to glorify cancer. I mean, I hate cancer. Uh, I'd give anything if it was out of my body, but I, I can tell you that uh, the God of the Bible, he provides the strength that we need to endure. The other thing I want to say, it bothers me when people says, why, do God, why did God give me cancer? God doesn't give anybody cancer. Uh, go read the book of Job. Now, there is the permissive will of God, and uh, he allowed Satan to do all that he could do to Job, but he said, you can't touch his soul. And Job concluded, even though the skin off my body falls off, I'm going to still praise God because he learned that his grace is efficient. And so I've witnessed through the years the devastation that it has done in families and individuals. And so I want to say to you, I, I don't want to lift up cancer at all. Uh, matter of fact, the chemo that I had was called RARCHOP. It's the maximum they can put in your body. I had four chemos and Rotuxin. My new oncologist told me, you're through with that. If we were to do that anymore, it would destroy your heart. And so what I really want to say to you at the beginning of this message is, I do have big C. Christ. I have little c, cancer. Now in my journey, I, I would often go back to the book of Philippians, uh, and what I want to share with you first of all is that Paul makes it clear in verse 12 of chapter 1, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And what amazes me, he goes on to say, and, and it even impacted the Roman Empire. Can you imagine what it'd be like being a Roman soldier that had to be chained to Paul for a 12-hour shift? I mean, the conversation in the, in the locker room would be something like this. Did you get saved this, today? Uh, you see, Satan didn't know what to do with him because if he released him, I mean, he'd turn the world upside down. If he kept him chained to the Roman Empire, uh, the impact would be so great on the dominating power of the world that that would change the world. And if they killed him or if, uh, or if he died... He'd just be promoted to glory. 
And so I believe that a picture is worth a thousand words. So what I want to do, I want to show you some pictures that, that uh, are about the six-month journey that I endured of chemo every three weeks. Uh, they put a port in my chest, and they'd pour the poison in my chest, and I was an herb and a vitamin freak, and it just devastated me to go through that. So my brother, would you put up the first picture? It's hard for you to see the, what it says on that, but I decided when I went for my first treatment, I wanted to wear one of my favorite T-shirts. And what the T-shirt said is that uh, God made me grandpa, but Garrett and Griffin made me the dude. You see, all five of my grandkids call me the dude. They think I'm too weird to be Paul or grandpa. They just call me uh, the dude. And uh, I thought that would cheer me up a little bit. And, you know, when you first put, they put the poison in you, they give you a Benadryl, and it puts you to sleep for a couple hours. And so when I got up, I went to the restroom. I'm telling you, I was down in the dumps, near depression, and I came out. And here's this gentleman reading my T-shirt. And he said, what in the world is a dude? And without me even hesitating, I said, it takes a real dude to be a follower of Jesus. And he said, hallelujah, what a savior. Man, we just had a great fellowship there. I was in a cancer clinic. There were 15 stalls. They were always full and quite about 12 nurses. And so we, we got their attention because him and I were just praising the Lord. And so my lovely wife, Marlena, she said, you know, honey, when you go to the treatments, I mean, it would be good if you'd go in character. So I want you to so show you the second character that I went to. Now, I actually showed up to get second chemo. The nurses thought I'd lost my mind. I'm dressed like a clown. But see, I had a testimony behind that because I said, laughter is temporary, but joy is forever. I had the privilege that day of praying with a nurse who was backslidden, rededicated her life. She was living with a guy, and before I finished the six-month journey of chemo, they got married. All right, let's look at this next picture. Uh, what happened to me, I got in the shower and almost all the hair fell out of me, and so I decided to go as Kojak. Uh, some of you remember that character. And I had a sucker in my mouth. And see, my testimony that day is sugar is sweet, but only Jesus gives you the sweet savor of life. And I led a patient to Christ that day. Now, I'm telling you, every morning I got up, I mean, I wanted the cancer out of me. I hated it. But I decided with Paul, this could be for the furtherance of the gospel. Okay, let's look at the next picture. Now, that's Mr. Clean. You know, you know Mr. Clean, don't you? I am totally hairless. And I don't know how you ladies did. I wore a, a clip-on earring, and within three hours, I had a headache. I had to take that thing off. <laughs> but my testimony was, you see, you can take a bath, clean up, put on all white clothes, but only Jesus can wash away the sins. Uh, precious is the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Christ. Let's look at the next picture. Now, I've got a background by this. Uh, when I, I had the first PET scan, I had a six inch a six centimeter cancer wrapped around my aorta and my gut uh, i had a cancer in my neck a cancer in my chest and a cancer in my right groin and so we did another pet scan after uh, chemo number four and i wanted it to be over because i'm telling you one week out of those three weeks i couldn't get my head off the pillow i was sick well he was excited the oncologist was everything had shrunk I wasn't too excited because it meant I had to take number five and number six. And so after being a little bit depressed and praying over it, I showed up dressed as Jeff Gordon. 
And my testimony that day was, I'm still in the race. Now, my brother, my baby brother, whose name is Roy Rogers, he called me and he said, I know you're dressed like Jeff Gordon, but you look like Richard Petty. Okay, next slide, next picture. This is my last treatment. Man, did I go ready. I had two different types of tracks. Everybody in that building got tracks. Picture's worth a thousand words, and that, that represented my six months of chemo. But I want to go back and tell you about the strength that God gave me to go through that because it's not about me, it's all about him. And Philippians 1.21 has become my life verse. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Do you get it? If you're a believer in Christ, either way we win. And so I want us to focus this morning out of this book, hear my heart out of the word of God, and I want to talk about the peace of God, the presence of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit that's available. And I'm telling you, all of them are real, but it's a choice. You have to decide to receive the peace of God, you have to acknowledge the presence of God no matter where you are in the journey of life. And then, of course, the power of the Holy Spirit is always available to help you to endure the peace of God. For to me, I love how this uh, book begins to wrap up. Paul says in chapter 4, verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And man, am I grateful for that alone. I had just come back from Tennessee. We were living in Indianapolis, uh, having Christmas with Tony and my, my daughter Laura and their family. And when I got back to Indiana in January, I was having gut problems. And I thought, well, I overdid it with Christmas. I finally went to my doctor who was a Christian, who is a Christian. And he gave me some medicine. And he said, call me in about three days if it's not working. It wasn't working. And so uh, we did a CT scan. I was downtown Indianapolis with a senator of Indiana and my cell phone rung and I saw my doctor I answered it and he was in more panic than me. He said, John, I got to get you to an oncologist. We got problems. And, and I want to I be honest with you. I mean, the peace of God just flooded me. It, it just didn't, it didn't bother me like I thought it would at that moment. But what I chose to do, I called my brother, Roy Rogers, because he's uh, Agent Orange, just like me, he's had two heart attacks, five bypasses. Three weeks ago, he just had his 17th stint over 25 years. And this last one was pretty serious. It was only about a half inch from his aorta. And we were just talking about it, and I knew he would encourage me. But then he asked me this question. What in the world are you going to say to Marlena and to your children? You need to understand that we'd already gone through a lot. Uh, Marlene and I lost our first spouses five weeks apart. My lovely wife of 32 years passed away on Christmas morning 2000. Had a horrible disease that took over six years for her to die. Butch died about five weeks before that, about a week before Thanksgiving. We'd already been through a lot. My children had been through a lot. And Marlena just overwhelms me to think about it. She raised four children, and two years before her husband died, her oldest son took his life. So I'm just telling you, we've been through a lot. Some of you have been through a lot. And the only thing that keeps us going is the peace of God. But when he said to me, what are you going to tell your wife and your children? The fear factor jumped back on me. And I, I knew exactly what happened. I told, Mar I told Marlena, and every time she looked at me until we got to the oncologist, she'd just cry. 
Allura did exactly what I knew she would do. She got in her car and came to Indiana to go with us through the journey. And Tony was praying for me. I'm grateful for my godly children because of a godly mother that led them to Christ and I had the privilege of baptizing them. Here's how you go through a lot. The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. I'm telling you, prayer matters. And I hope that you believe in prayer. Because if you're walking with Jesus, if you're confessed up, your prayers make a difference. Now, most of the time, they change us before they change anything else. But prayers matter. And so I don't know where you are today on your journey, but I'm just saying, just keep your knees down and chin up. It's going to be okay. I, I'm not a one who journals. Maybe Mastin does. I'm a note taker, but I was convinced the Holy Spirit prompted me to journal through this six-month journey. And out of that, I've, God has given me several messages. This is one. The first thing I wrote in the journal was this. Am I going to be God-centered or self-centered? You see, you have to deal with that every day, don't you, even as a believer? Who is the Lord of your heart? I mean, who is driving your life today? And so I even defined healing for me. Now, you need to understand an invitation. You can come and Master will pray with you over anything. And uh, I, I don't want to shake him up right now, but I want to tell you, I'm a Pentecostal Baptist. Now, I don't shout. I don't speak in tongues. But I believe Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did on planet Earth when he was the God-man, he can still do today. As a Baptist preacher, I've witnessed miraculous healings. And I, I know that in my situation, that when I go to an oncologist or a radiologist and they put me under that $3 million machine, that all good things from God and he chooses to use different means to bring healing to us and ultimately heaven is the final healing so here's how I define healing healing is when God can be glorified in any circumstance if we but deny ourselves take up our cross daily and then God will provide the strength we can do I often hear people quote Philippians 4:13. in my opinion out of context you know, a sports guy will say, well, God gives me strength to do that. Listen, leave it here. Whatever valley you're going through, God will provide the strength through Christ to help you endure. That's what that verse really means. And we can say, thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. It's real. The presence of Christ. Now, I believe that prayer defines our relationship with God. For years with the State Convention in Indiana, I was the team leader for church planting, evangelism, and prayer. So how's it going for you? How's your relationship going? If you don't hear anything I say to you, I want you to get this this morning. God's more concerned about what we do with him privately than what we do for him publicly. Can I repeat that? God is more concerned about what we do with him privately than what we do for him publicly. And I can't speak for you, but one of the problems I've had through my life, the greatest hindrance for me being a biblical praying warrior for the Lord Jesus Christ is pride. We, we try everything in the world to fix our situation, and prayer becomes the last resort. It ought to be the first resort. I don't know about you, but in the past, 
because of my prayerlessness, my life was like a spiritual desert, and I was dry, drained, discouraged, and disappointed, and just about ready to desert. But for to me to live as Christ has turned me back to the giver of grace, and I've learned with Paul his grace is sufficient. And brother, I've enjoyed the music today. It just hit me right where I need to be. And so today I'm gorging myself on the freshness of his living word. Now God had to convict me, and he still does, by the way. See, sometimes we can get guilty of loving the gift more than the giver. Uh, sometimes we can get so excited about the ministry more than the master. And I, I've, uh, I've preached in over 200 churches in Indiana over 17 years, and I can tell you I've gone to a place where there's a lot of activity but no power. I mean, you can be growing, and yet there be no vitality. It's only when we weep and repent does God do the miraculous thing, and there's tremendous results. So there's the glorious reviving of your soul. There's gratitude for the cleansing, and there's thanksgiving for his faithfulness, and there's rejoicing in his repent repentant light. Brothers and sisters, we've got to remember, sometimes we just got to return to our first love, and that comes out of repentance. And then we have his presence, and by the way, his favor. The Bible says we love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. Wholeheartedly, we need to love him. And so I wrote in my journal that day, here was my prayer. Lord, don't allow my life to outlive my passion for you, otherwise just call me on home. And I was a trustee at Southern for 10 years. Mass and I had the privilege on two occasions to hear the great orator Stephen, Stephen Alford before he went home to heaven at age 93. And I'm telling you, at 90, he could preach the stars down. And here how, this is how he defined a revival. Revival is that strange and sovereign work of God in which he visits his own people, restoring, reanimating, and releasing them into the fullness of his blessing. Now, I'm like you. I, I've about already heard about all I need to hear about our politicians. I, I'm concerned about both sides. But listen to me, the answer to our problems is not in Nashville. The answer to our problems is not in Washington, D.C. My Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Do you hear that? Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. The problem is in this room. To live. I've seen too many people act like that salvation is a fire policy. I'm grateful that when she gets saved, and you really got saved, once saved, always saved. We say that as Southern Baptists, but we, we persevere. Uh, we go through this life with his peace and his presence and his power because Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Now, I, I try to witness to everything that breathes. I, I, I don't do that all the time, that, but that's my goal every day. And I have some waitress Christian friends that say the worst day to work is on Sunday afternoon. The lowest tip day from Christians. And she said half of them comes in after they've heard the word of God like this. You know, like a, like a prune face. I mean, we are to be so full of the joy of God we just spill over on people. 
And you've got to find your way of sharing the gospel. I mean, uh, you don't need another strategy. You just need to have a heart for Jesus. And I have people say to me, well, I'm looking for a divine appointment. Do you realize eight out of ten people that you meet in your community are lost without a personal relationship with Christ? You live in a mission field. My, my son kids me a little bit, but I, I wore disabled veteran hats all the time. Uh, at first, it was therapy for me because I had to go through some counseling and everything when I applied for Agent Orange and all that stuff came back that I'd kind of suppressed. And you wouldn't, I, I'm, I'm bragging on Jesus. It's amazing to me how many times I get to share the gospel because of the hat. You can ask my wife. She's amazed. There's, there's this young generation. They will stand over in the corner somewhere in a restaurant or whatever and wait for me to get to them so they can come and thank me for serving it's an amazing moment. And so if I have opportunity, I say, well, I want to apologize to you that my country wouldn't let me win the war, but if you've got a few minutes, I'd like to tell you about the war I won at Calvary. I get to tell them about Jesus. Now, they don't always pray to receive Christ, but I've, I've yet to have anybody cuss me or spit on me. Everything, they receive that and say, I'm grateful that's for you. That's just not for me. I've prayed with people in public because of the hat. So you just got to find your niche. I don't, I don't know what it is so that God can open doors. Because listen to me, God has a purpose for everybody's life in here. Everyone in here that takes the name of Jesus, you've been called and you've been gifted to serve him. Get over it. It's not your paid staff. It's all of us have a gift. Jesus said, whoever finds me finds life and will obtain the favor of God. Jesus said, don't worry about your life, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. Well, shortly all, after all this day, uh, Marlena, after all the tests, Marlena and I finally had to go face the oncologist, Dr. Gupta from India. Uh, he, he's comical as he can be. He, he said, uh, you know, there's as many Guptas in India in, in India." as there are Smiths in America, just Guptas everywhere. And he said the word out loud for the first time, Mr. Rogers, you have cancer. Well, that's, that's overwhelming. Later on, we would find that I have a low-grade non-Hoskins lymphoma, non-curable, reoccurring. But it's kind of easy to knock down. And Marlene and I held each other and cried. And he just stood there patiently and waited for us. Here's the last thing the oncologist said to me on that day. A God-fearing man from India, this is what he said to me. Mr. Rogers, God has a plan for your life. And God has a plan for my life. And now he's giving me privilege to get involved in your life to get you back on track with his life. That's what the oncologist said to me. Now, my wife's a basket case. I'm overstating that, but my wife was a basket case. Every time she looked at me, she cried. And she was stunned when he said that. Now, my wife is a godly woman, and her ministry, her powerful ministry is prayer ministry. She can pray, she can pray heaven down. And so he sent us out with Tanya. I've already found out she's a Pentecostal African-American. And she takes us down to the hall to the blood clinic. And there were two nurses sitting there, an African-American and an Asian, and she said, this is Mr. Rogers, and we need these stats of blood on him. And you take care of him because he's a minister of the gospel. And so the African-American handed me 
a card laminated had scripture on it she said this will help you on your journey we're in a blood clinic so I go in the back room my wife's a basket case standing out there crying so the African-American she sticks the IV in me I didn't know we had that much blood in my life and our bodies I mean she just kept taking vials and vials of body and then this Asian lady she starts talking to me about her alcoholic husband and how she loves Jesus she just don't know what to do she's crying I'm trying to minister to her and she's taking all the blood out of my life I'm getting dizzy and after I testified to her, she took the IV, and this African-American came over, didn't even ask permission, laid hands on my belly, and prayed that God would heal me from cancer. I'm in a cancer clinic. Marlene and I were walking out. She's finally recovered after she's witnessed all this. And here's what she asked me. You can, you can talk to her after the service. Honey, we're worried out of were we at an oncologist's office or at church? <laughs> Listen, you have beautiful facilities here. This is where Ridgeview meets. You are the church. And the church ought to be on mission for Christ. No matter where you are in your circumstances, there are people out there that you can impact that Maston can't impact because he's a preacher. They expect him to be there. Well, everything was running through my mind, my faith and my family and my friends. That night I wrote in my journal what she gave me on that card. Psalms 27, 1. If God is my light and salvation, whom shall I fear? If he's the very strength of my life, what am I fearing? And I said out loud, not even cancer. And my initial prayer during this journey was not for healing because I knew that I, because of social media and the network I had literally around the globe, hundreds were praying for my healing. And what I prayed, even though I, I desired to be healed, my initial prayer was that God would be glorified in my life. And I prayed, Lord, no matter how critical I am, just give me a fighting chance. I want to fight the good fight for Jesus. So hear my heart. As long as we live in these bodies, you're either fixing to go in a storm, you're in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. That's just the way it is on planet Earth. And the difference is Jesus. He can give you joy in the valleys of life. He can provide the strength that you need. So that day I decided to get really focused. I was going to exercise my faith. Because the Bible says faith is our victory. And my family, all of us have family. And there's some of us that have family, part of family, drive you nuts. You know, it's just, uh, uh, my family is just as goofy as they come. My name is John Randolph Rogers. Randolph and Rogers explains the problem. My daddy's parents were second cousins when they got married. My mom and dad were third cousins when they got married. My family tree looks like a weeping willow. I mean, it's a, it's a mess. But listen to me. You tell me you love your children and grandchildren, tell them. Tell them. We are to be the ones that lead our children and grandchildren to Christ. We are to make a difference in their life. I was thrilled Friday night. I was in Clinton watching Jake play football. That's my, that's my grandson. And what happens is I just start living my life through him. And at the goal line, I was just, I mean, he nailed that kid, but they said that he was over. I thought he was out of bounds. 
But I'm telling you, Jesus takes up the fight for us. But we ought to be willing to say to our loved ones that we love them. My, my wife and I try to have devotions every day together. We pray together every day that we can can. We prayed this morning. Those of you that pray together, stay together. I'm telling you, the divorce rate would go way down if we just pray together. Now, I've had a history with her. Uh, she knows I'm not a patient guy. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't have the gift of mercy. I, I know I'm supposed to exercise it. And with me, I'm in the cancer battle now. The good news is I've had 23, radi I've just got two more radiations to go tomorrow and Tuesday. And then three or four weeks, they'll do a CT scan. And uh, I'm believing God that he's knocked it down for me again so I can keep on serving him. So I, I've been dealing with fatigue. Matter of fact, after lunch today, I'll, I'll have to take a nap. <laughs> so there's been times I've said to her, honey, pray. Well, you know, she'd been cooking for two days for my kids coming over for lunch. And sometimes she'd say, well, you, I'm tired too. You pray. You're the spiritual head of the house. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, Master, we, one night we actually got to argue about it. I mean, you pray. No, you pray. You're going to pray. <laughs> and so... Uh, you, you hear my voice, and so I said, okay, bow your head. We did. And I said, this is what I said. Lord, Marlena has something she wants to say to you. <laughs> and we did just what you did. And I had to say, honey, forgive me. I've been really trying to encourage friends and new friends. By the way, the family of God's the one's going to heaven. And so I just try to do acts of kindness. My kids, you know, they know I'm weird. I'm one of these characters. Well, my journey of these 25 treatments, I, my daughter decided, let's wear this time you did characters, I'm wearing superhero T-shirts. She bought me five, I bought five, and I've got three in the mail. I've had to repeat a few of them. It's amazing how God uses those dumb T-shirts so I can share the gospel. Uh, one, one woman, my, my prayer partner, prayer co uh, coordinator for Indiana, she sent me the teenage, new, new, how do you say that? Mutant. Yeah, sent me that and said, I, I'm going to see how he turns that into the gospel. Well, I did, you know. The first T-shirt I wore was Superman. And the practitioner came up and said, that's a great T-shirt. I said, do you remember what his weakness was? Was it Krypton, Kryptonite, something like that? And I said, yeah, you know what our weakness is? Sin. So Superman can't fix that, only the God-man can fix it. And I was able to share the gospel with her. So that probably be my next message. Uh, Master, and I've got all those pictures on, uh, those outfits on. Now tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm going dressed up formal. Because Dr. Myers, he wears a coat and tie. So I'm going to wear my tuxedo t-shirt. That's what I'm going to wear tomorrow. And then Tuesday, if my daughter-in-law can find me one, I'm going to wear a cap and gown because I'm fixing to graduate again on Tuesday and get to share the gospel. I hate cancer, but I love what God does through it. One night in my journal, I prayed, Lord, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me. Finally, I want to say to you, the only way you can endure this is the power of the Holy Spirit. 
and he's available all the time. All you got to do is just call on him. I had a couple of personal miracles through that. I don't live with guilt anymore. Romans 8, 1 says, there, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Our weapons are mighty through the pulling down of the strongholds. Uh, I'm, I'm receiving the unmerited blessing of God. Uh, I want to be like Jesus so that he can be glorified. Do you know that during those 200 days of cancer, I only missed 22 days of work. I experienced the power of God in my life. To only miss 22 days of work. Was that the end of the story? No. After I got through cancer, was declared it knocked down January the 10th, 2010. I'm in the pulpit, interim at my own church. Had a blood clot hit the back of my heart and almost killed me, scared the people to death. Sometimes I start with that so you'll pray that it don't happen here today. I have a godly, I had a godly cardiologist there. I have one here. He said, John, you had a radical heart attack. Uh, they said they almost lost you in the ambulance. They almost lost you in the emergency room. And you have no permanent damage in my world. That's a miracle. I had my CT scan before I retired in March, and my oncologist, Dr. Gupta, said, go and enjoy your retirement. Less than three months, I'm in the shower. One day it wasn't there, the next day there's a lump on my upper right leg. Turned out to be a large cancer, three centimeters. I had the PET scan, and I was so grateful it was local that I didn't have to have that hole in my chest again and the poison poured in my body. And so they've been giving me radiation. And I just want it for the furtherance of gospel. I don't know where you are today. I'm praying this message would encourage you, excite you to seek the peace of God every day in your life, the presence of Christ, the most important thing in your life, and the Holy Spirit power that's available. As a child of God, I know some things about the future. I know that God will reign, love will conquer hate, Light will dispel darkness, and I'll live for eternity with Jesus. Victory is assured. All we got to do is finish the race. Amen? Amen? So, Brother John, what have you learned from this? Well, here's one thing I've learned for sure. If you live long enough, you're going to die. But number two, if you honor God with your life, you're not going to go anywhere until he's through with you, and that's why I believe I'm here today, to try to encourage your heart. And my plea with you is you shouldn't wait till you get cancer or heart disease to yield your life and surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. And if you do that, today could be the first day of the rest of your life. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hallelujah. What a Savior. The second chapter of Philippians has that beautiful picture of Jesus coming from glory, put on the, the God-man. You have to faith that. He was 100% God, 100% man. And he said it was the cross that was his joy. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, the death of the cross. So I'm pleading with you this morning to humble yourself. Maybe you're just about ready to give up. Listen, attitude is three-fourths of the battle. And the Holy Spirit can give you powerful attitude. So I'm pleading with you this morning as we get ready for the invitation. The brother's going to come. I want to show the last three pictures to make a point show that 
Now, here's what I did when I found out the cancer was gone. <laughs> I got Pentecostal, man. I'm telling you, I was praising God. I'll do it again in about three or four weeks. But we need to praise God today for what he's done for us. Next one. Now, the only reason why I can still wear the coats is that Peyton was playing for him when I had this on. I'm telling you, as a Christian, it ought to be Christmas every day of your life. Uh, I told you Annie died on Christmas morning. Her birthday was this week. I talked to Tony. I talked to Malura. It's a tough day for him, August the 12th. But you know what we do every Christmas? We celebrate Christmas knowing Annie's looking at him. That's Christmas, finally. Oh, by the way, there's my tuxedo T-shirt. Marlene and I have been married 14 and a half years. My best friend who did Annie's wedding, Dr. Mark Hearn, he loved Annie. He did her funeral. He got to know Marlena. We were having lunch one day. Here's what he said to me. I know you, and you're the luckiest guy in the world. I know we're not supposed to believe in luck, but you're the luckiest guy in the world that God would give you two godly women who would put up with you. Now, God has a pretty good plan. Annie was older than me. She tried to keep me out of trouble when I was 21 growing up. Marlena's quite a bit younger than me. Uh, she don't make me look any better, but, boy, she makes me feel better. So stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. Master's going to be here. And my prayer is that this message has touched your heart, encouraged you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Receive the peace of God this morning. Understand that the presence of God is the most important thing in your life. And Holy Spirit power is always available. Holy Spirit isn't it, it's God. So Father, in Jesus' name, save the lost, deliver the afflicted, and set the captive free, all for your glory. Amen.